When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You are listening to Claret and Blue, an Aston Villa podcast brought to you by Birmingham Live. Hello, welcome back to the Claret and Blue podcast. Today we're here to talk about next season, Aston Villa in the Premier League, some preparations, some signings that we need to make, the Jack Grealish saga to be. Um, I've got 10, 11 questions to, to go through today. We're not going to have the answers for all of them. But we'll, we're looking ahead to next season we'll, already. We'll try our know. best. I'll forget that season. Done now. Stayed that's, up. Done. That's so 2020. 2019-20. <laughs> um, so first of all, we're going to go back to last summer's business. We, we kind of touched on this in a, in a previous episode. How do we rate that summer transfer business now with the kind of the benefit of hindsight we bring in 12 players did it work 140 million don't get you much nowadays does it no, to amazing. be honest um it worked in the sense that Villa's still in the Premier League yeah so that was that that was the ultimate test of it wasn't it we'd have been looking at this differently if Watford would have scored two more goals at the Emirates yeah and we'd have we'd have been judging Villa's business a little bit more harshly, wouldn't we? But because Villa are in the in the Premier League, that that was that that's mission accomplished. So whatever yeah. was spent last year was to give Villa that foothold foothold in the Premier League. So I think it's like any any recruitment drive. Really, there's going to be hits and there's going to be misses. Uh, Do you think there's more hits than misses? It's kind of splinters in the in the bomb time, really, because I think these juries still there's more juries still out yeah. than there are that fall into either of those categories. Yeah, that's fair. I kind of felt like, yeah, oh, you bring in 12 signings, so that's building a squad. But when you read those names out, most of those are first team players. They're, yeah. they're all starting games. And that's kind of, that's how you would maybe assess it as a problem that, you know, opposition, opposition fans will look at it and think we've spent 140 million. Whereas we look at it and go, well, we had to rebuild an yeah. entire squad because the players that you let go were all playing games in the championship. You've got Yedinak, uh, Alan Hutton, Adoma, Kodja, Bjarnason, Whelan, like they all featured heavily in the in the championship and they had to be replaced. Well, these these were the issues, weren't they? Because it was, do you sign Calvin Phillips from Leeds United for 30 million or do you bring in two players in that position? Yeah. For the camera a total of less than that yeah. in terms of, of Marvellous and um, and Douglas Louise. You know, the Villa spent massively big on a centre-half, didn't they? I mean, Mings was what, 25 yeah. million? 25 like million in add-ons, I think. Yeah. Um, but not only that, you know, because it was deemed that um, well, Axel Twanzebi went went back and yeah. James Chester, Chester was deemed to kind of, you know, not be of a physical physical stand. I'm sure yeah. Chester in his prime would have been good enough to play in the Premier League. Because of that, as well as that big outlay on Mings, you've also got the signed concert and Engels. Yeah. So you're right, kind of a, a lot of that recruitment did go towards the first team. But there were a couple of ones where, because they needed a squad, that they had to sign two players. So they've signed they've signed three wingers effectively. Yeah. Um, you know, and I'm sure Villa players would say, 
I'd swap all three of them to, <laughs> to collectively for Ben Rama. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the, the probably the, the one where the gamble probably backfired and Villa have got over the line, they've crawled over the line rather than galloped over the line is in the centre forward yeah. for me because, Agreed. you know, and if you look over the course of the season, people are say, saying you should have signed Mope, you should have signed Mope. Mope hasn't scored. He hasn't been that overly prolific yeah. over and above what Wesley could have done over the course of the season. But it was just the lack of options. You know, we, we, we said even before Wesley got injured, it used to be a kind of common theme that ran through the narrative of the first two months of the podcast. Take him out of the firing line, give him a breather, because yeah. not only is he getting, is he being shot of confidence, but he's actually kind of physically knackered. Um, so I think for me, I think that's the biggest oversight. And to me, it reflects, it, it, it almost echoes what happened the previous season where we lacked centre halves last, but just about got away with yeah. it this season. Yeah, fair. We lacked centre forwards and just about got away with it. I suppose we can say it's an, an oversight. But we then go and sign two strikers in January in Samato. We spend decent money, I think, yeah. around ten million or something yeah. like that. And, and Baston comes in on a free, and you think, "Oh, we've we've can't. We've clearly we know there's a striker problem. Yeah. They've tried to fix it. The problem is that they've both failed, and that's the problem, isn't it?" Yeah, I think that's probably been a bit, a bit harsh. But I don't, Samato, I don't know how much more room for manoeuvre there was in the budget because yeah. they needed to get such a vast amount of players through the door first of all, and try and get quality and an age profile of the of the, the right level they listen, I'm sure every every business has a contingency plan and I'm sure they realise that over the course of a football season players get injured but they I don't think that they were thinking that they would have to bring in a first choice centre forward in January yeah I suppose if it was Wesley was your first choice Samata was rotation you wouldn't need Baston and that would be Keenan Davis I guess but yeah. I think Keenan Davis has to be elevated to be your second man Samata is your first choice yeah, yeah maybe I, th- I suppose that's kind of playing devil's advocate isn't it to give Villa the benefit of the doubt but Wesley gets injured on New Year's Day though they've still got the entire month to to find somebody I know it's not as easy as playing football manager and going oh we'll just search the database and he looks good we'll go for him I know it's not as simple as that but it, it, you do kind of come away from it thinking oh is that the best they can find you probably find evidence of me kind of bemoaning the low market if you trawl back through our archives but I'm surprised <laughs> Villa didn't play that market yeah. um, a little bit more this season because it's been quite effective and quite successful in recent years that's what I, what, what I would have thought January yeah. was crying out for I suppose then the problem is that either way you stay up or you go down you're left with or we've, we've got these five players in on loan that we don't have now and we've got a plan either way again I suppose that the, the consolation is that the squad we've got now we do at least own them all and if we do want to get rid of them we've got to we've got to sell them rather than they just go back by default yeah boy that I, I buy that argument but if you've got somebody who's been loaned in as a replacement of somebody who's injured yeah you were expecting them to go anyway because yeah. you, you knew guys come back. Yeah, fair. We've, we've talked about having this kind of inquest into the season and, and not, most notably in, in the recruitment uh, department. Is that kind of inquest now less harsh because we've survived in the Premier League? Well, I think if you're asking kind of Suso, he'd probably say that the, the recruitment's right. been judged quite harshly because he's had to pay for it with, with his job. And I suppose it's easy easy now. Now you've got a kind of bad guy yeah. driven out the door to say all the crap ones were his and all the good ones were Dean Smith's well, gifted that's, that's Dean Smith more power do we know which players are which no I mean we, been, had, we had this with the Tim Sherwood and yeah. was it Paddy Riley then yeah it was like well 
Tim Sherwood signed all the British ones and yeah. they signed all the foreign ones. It's like, well, is it as simple as that? Does anyone actually know besides the guys that work at Villa and who, who are making these decisions? They know that. I don't think it is. A, I don't think it is as simple as that. You know, because um, Suso's continental, he signs the continental yeah. ones, and because Dean Smith's British, he signs the British ones. I don't think it's as simple as that. I mean, it's been interesting to. Um, have you seen the Twitter thread from Gwilym Balagay? I've seen bits um, of it, yeah, but it's in which is Spanish, kind of it? it's kind of Suso's right to reply. Really, it's kind of him well, paint, mates, painting a slightly different, <laughs> yeah. a different picture of it, saying that um, he was trying to get Nzonzi while Smith and Perslow were down the road signing drink water and and these kind of things. Um, I think the truth truth probably lies somewhere in between. But then you kind of look at it on paper and go, "Well, Villa have got promoted while Suso was there because he was there during the championship, wasn't it? They've stayed in the division and they got to a cup final." And part of his signings have got Villa to achieve those things. So, yeah. based on that purely, you would look at that and go, oh, "Yeah, that probably is a bit harsh to be sacked the day yeah. after you've confirmed your status in the league." But then, because we don't know the ins and outs of what the deals are and and what the kind of scouting is like behind the scenes, like you say, if, if one half of them are looking at one player and the other half are looking at others, and ultimately it's on Dean Smith's head to put the squad together and it's his decisions and yeah. tactics. I don't think you can have a system where someone above the manager is picking the team. Not, yeah. Maybe not directly the 11, but here's a load of players for you to kind of mould together. I think for me, the significant thing about it is that it's a kind of show of the power and the clout that Christian Perslow wields at the club, I think, because from what we're led to believe, Suso is pretty close to, to Nasef Sawiris. Um, so for Perslow to, to kind of be able to emerge from that and to yeah. say, we need to employ a new director of football shows that it kind of he's on very solid foundations yeah. himself doesn't he own a percentage in the club or something yeah I think he has got got some kind of some kind of holding in the club yeah, yeah. Um, I suppose that puts you kind of yeah. higher up by default what do you think about the sporting director kind of route then because in, in one sense I get the kind of the ideal scenario is that I don't know I can't think of a club as an example but if the manager comes and goes there's enough people there that will maintain this is the style of play this club wants to play here's a, a kind of a bunch of signs that are coming up through our academy in that kind of style yeah. I understand that but that's a kind of a long term plan the flip side of that is like I say if, if that's kind of interrupting the head coach that you've got at that times their ideas of how the football should be played those two don't mix do they? So I think it's a strange structure because if it's if it fails, if you want to have this consistent approach, but that consistent approach fails, you want to be open to rip it up anyway. You probably don't want the same kind of head coach. Yeah. You want something completely yeah, different. So it's, I suppose it's only, it's only successful if you're getting success and you're losing head coaches because they're climbing yeah. through yeah, football yeah. To, to better opportunities. I mean, I think with, with, with Dean Smith, Dean Smith has, has worked under this. He's worked under this kind of, you know, I'm sure when he was at Walsall, he'd have had more say on, on, on who, who Walsall signed. But at Brentford, he was kind of part of a committee yeah. and working with sporting director, stroke directors that would have kind of done it as a, as a, as a collective. So yeah. I, I, suppose don't, it, I suppose it helps if you're all pulling in the same direction rather than yeah. you're thinking, no, we need this type of player and the other, the, the, the other staff are saying we need this type of yeah. player. That's difficult. Well, it is, but we don't know that. We don't again. We don't know that. Oh yeah, we don't know that for a fact, do we? No. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we don't have any names for who replaces Suso, but it appears Villa will 
recruit some kind of sporting director at some point. I mean, we're saying all this, there's not even been an, an official statement from Villa to say that he's gone, but it's it's everywhere that it, that it is true. So at some point they're going to have to go, oh, by the way, everyone, we've got a new sporting director because you know that guy, Suso, he went, he, he left last month. I think, yeah, you're right. I, I think think these kind of just kind of kind of ushered through the back door moments. A bit yeah. like, in, we've said this before about players signing haven't with a massive fanfare kind of holding the scarf and yeah. strange kind of gifts and memes and stuff to, to introduce it and then when they leave it's kind of like a, a, a 10 word sentence and <laughs> yeah. just kind of pushing them out quietly we've got 15 minutes into this episode of looking ahead to next season and we've not mentioned next Jay. season <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah true but the biggest talking point is that is the guy with the initials JG Jack Grealish oh yeah okay. <laughs> he's the big talking point isn't he because I think if he stays at the football club or leaves the football club, that affects what Villa have to do in terms of recruitment in, in a big way. So my first question before we dive into it too deeply is your gut instinct in one word, does he stay or does he go? Can I come to that in a minute? Okay, <laughs> go on then. Because let's let's be straight up about this, corner. There's been a lot of kind of um, chatter on social media about kind of Villa fans and, and Villa media are already kind of saying he's out the door. So let's be on about on, let's be, let's be kind of above board about it. What is the best, most compelling case that we can put together to suggest the opposite? Okay. I've got my own thoughts. Yeah, uh, I'm not sure you for them. Yeah, I know, but I kind of I don't want to be that doom and gloom merchant. First of all, let's think of the good reasons why why Jack Greedy could still be an Aston Villa player next season. Okay. Yeah, reason number one. Are we doing a pros and cons list here? <laughs> let's just do the pros. Reason number one. Okay, Aston Villa are a Premier League team. Yeah. Oh yeah, be, this would be a totally different conversation if we've been relegated. Without a doubt, he goes and oh well, no, we just had a contrived argument. For no, it. no, no, no way, no way. <laughs> Yeah, I think this this gives us a, a little bit of a stronger case yeah. than if Villa winning the champion. Villa's still a Premier League team, so Jack Grealish can be on the kind of, in terms of leagues, one of the world's biggest stages um, week in, week out. Jack Grealish is an Aston Villa fan. He kind of made a big point uh, over the weekend of sharing pictures with Dean Smith, with them both beaming the heads off, with my club, in my capitals. club, this is my club. Uh, my kingdom for my club. Can I interrupt you though? Yeah. Again, we're, I'm trying to play two sides here because I'm with you, by the way. If Jack Grealish does go, Villa is still his club, isn't it? Oh yeah. I'm, John listen, Terry's club is still Chelsea. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I, I take that he's not suddenly going to fall out of love with Aston Villa, but we're clutching it. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> um, it's, this, is, this is a really interesting one. This is probably where my argument falls down. A little bit because Jack Grealish wants to play for England. Yeah. So, you know, he wants to play for England so much that he made, him and his family made a massive decision a few years ago to kind of turn their back on Ireland. You know, they're a big you know, Irish family. He's, he's, he's got Irish grandparents, got an Irish name, um, come through the ranks, you know, kind of played Gaelic football as a schoolboy come through the ranks of the, the Ireland schoolboy boy team. So we we know how much he wants to play for England. That would that decision wouldn't have been taken lightly. Yeah. Does he have more chance of playing for England being on a football pitch every week, being a main man um for a, a football club in the Premier League? Or 
does, as sadly I think we've seen previously, does he stand more chance even if he's on the bench? And I'm not saying if he did move, he would necessarily be on the bench for a Man United or a Man City or a Liverpool, but does he stand more chance of playing for England on the bench of one of those clubs? In in reality, it shouldn't make a difference, should it? I think the argument of it, if he was a championship player, he's going to struggle to get into the England side regardless of his ability because it's just looked at as he's not in the top leagues. How can yeah. he play a league above that, a level above that? I think if you're starting 38 games for Villa or you're playing 15 games for Man United, in my opinion, you've you've shown more in your time yeah. at Villa to get in the squad. So it shouldn't make a difference either way to get into an England squad. But I know that that is a factor because for some reason there's a an allegiance to big clubs and you have to be at that level to be an England player for some reason. Well, I suppose if, we, if we're looking, and we are, we're presenting a very kind of pro-Aston Villa reasons for Jack Grealish to stay kind of argument. He's got a teammate, Tyron Mings, who has played for Aston Villa and that's been a platform yeah. to get into the England team. So well, of, yeah, the, of the, the thing that is holding Gareth Southgate back from selecting Jack Grealish, it probably isn't the Aston Villa thing. Otherwise, that would have held Tyron Mings back. Um, and I saw that um, Prince William has said he's going to have a word with Gareth Southgate and get him to pick pick Jack Grealish. So that's another reason why Jack Grealish, because <laughs> William won't have that word with him. If he goes to Man United, yeah, he won't true. have that word with him. That's true. Um, I, I, suppose, do that, no. <laughs> I suppose the big one is Jack Grealish is 24 name, I believe. Uh, is that right? He'll be 25 in September. Yeah, so he's he's, he's nearly you know, mid-20s. He's been around the Premier League and around football's consciousness for five or six years now. He wants to win things. He wants to He wants to win medals and trophies but my kind of counterpoint to that then would be is Ast- are Aston Villa a big club one word yes or no yes are they a big team at the moment in terms of performance not necessarily so Jack Grealish plays for a big club anyway the argument would be that the new owners that we've got are billionaires and have they can spend whatever they want effectively within reason why can't they put a case forward to Jack Grealish and to Dean Smith and they put a case together as a team and say, we want to be winning things as Aston Villa. We want to be competing for League Cups and FA Cups every year. We got to a final this year when we were rubbish. Why can't we do this and become 10th next year and 6th the year after that? Why can't you commit to Villa for another they, couple of seasons and we'll try and do it. that here? Yeah, that's what I mean. That's what they'll be doing. I could say, I'm not sure League Cups. I mean, listen, the, the, the lad's not kind of won anything other than, uh, you know, he won plenty of, of youth team trophies and stuff like that, but he, he's not won anything other than a championship playoff trophy. I know, maybe I know if Villa, maybe if Villa say we can challenge for league titles in yeah. Champions League football might be more of a compelling argument than, but, but that's than League Cups and FA Cups. <laughs> but, I don't know. I think to convince Jack Grealish of that in such a kind of shortened transfer window before the next season comes along, when when he's not going to, it's it's a choice, isn't it? Do I do I have faith in these guys to get there to, to keep speed with my ambitions? And I suppose they could say in their corner, "Well, we've delivered a promotion." And a consolidation season in two years. Yeah. Who knows what we could deliver in another two years? Um, I think 
I think that's going to be the hardest the hardest thing because Jack's going to be be looking and thinking, well, okay, if I commit another two two three years to Villa, I'm suddenly twenty seven. I'm not going to get my big move. Uh, is this is this the moment? You know, I've, I've kind of carried a team, carried a Premier League team. Um, single-handedly, it's probably harsh on his teammates, but I've kind of led the way. Will I get this opportunity? Is it a sliding doors moment? Will it come again? Uh, but having said that, the other massive factor in this is Aston Villa don't need to sell Jack Grealish yeah, for this, money now. This was my second point. They've got hundred and. The bank, whatever, I think, I think the prize money's gone up and the broadcasting money's gone up. Exactly what that is, I'm not sure. But I think they're going to kind of bank 150 million quid by being in the Premier League for another year. Yeah. Uh, if they'd have been relegated, that would have kind of tested the nerve a yeah. little bit more. If they'd have been relegated, Villa would have to, because Villa have got to make signings regardless whether they'd stayed up or gone yeah. down. Now Villa can use the broadcast money to build and they yeah. don't need to rely on anything else. If yeah. we'd gone down, we'd be going, well, Jack Grealish can get us 50 yeah. million here, we'll use that. I think it's a bit like the situation that when the owners first took over, it would have been an easily done thing. It probably There was probably even greater need to sell Jack Grealish there because of yeah. the FFP walls closing in on them. Yeah. Um, and they held their nerve. And, you know, it was virtually a kind of done deal mm. for Tottenham a week before. Um, we got lucky that Tottenham just didn't front up what we asked for. I remember speaking to somebody um, pretty close to Grealish, a, a friendly at Walsall, and saying, them saying to me, Keep your keep your ticket stub. This is the last time you'll see Jack play for uh, Aston Villa. So it was really, you know, it was really that close. But like I said, back then they, they almost needed to sell him to keep. I know they got lot, they'd got lots of money, but they almost needed to sell him to keep the club afloat yeah, yeah, yeah. in that minute. And they and they resisted it. This is just the kind of an extension of that. Yeah, really. If they can resist it, then can they resist it? Now, I guess the flip side is, and we don't really know. It's a weird period, isn't it, in kind of the way the world is at the moment. That are these big transfers of eighty, ninety million a thing anymore? Yeah, you would assume yes, still, but we don't know. For Jack to leave Man United, uh, <laughs> for Jack to leave Villa now to go to somewhere like Man United, and you can chop out Man United for any any club. But I'm just going to say Man United for now because they're the, the main ones. Villa can ask for whatever they want now. If we're doing yeah. relegated, they need the money. You'd probably have said 50 million probably would have took him away. Villa yeah. can say now, well, we want 90 million because to stay in the league is 100. We think he's worth 90. He's yeah. 25. He'll play for England. He's our best player. He's our captain. We need to replace him. We want 90 million. Are Man United going to pay 90 million for a player that won't start every game in the Premier League? I think that's that's a key point. Who's a need, squad player, effectively. Whose need is greater? Because you're right, Villa could actually have the argument to say, well, if we sell him, we are jeopardising 150 million quid yeah, exactly. next season. So we've got to set our price somewhere near 100 million quid. And the buying club has got to factor in, I'm not sure it's the time at the moment where people can just make marquee kind of showpiece signings just as a vanity project. Yes. I think if Manchester United are going to commit, you know, this talk of them, of Dortmund demanded silly money for, for Sancho so I'm not sure Manchester United would commit to two yeah. massive moves but if they're going to commit upwards of 60 or 70 million on a player you would think what is it that they want to achieve by that do they think that Jack Grealish can be the difference between them getting that Champions League place and then them now, them now challenging for the Premier League title again yeah. next season and if so it'll probably be worth it but if not Yes, I know they spent nearly eighty million on Harry Maguire, but they could probably say that the spending's brief previously, and the money they spent on Bruno Fernandes 
has got them into the Champions League. Yeah. So it was justified. But they've got to weigh it up against those those factors. So Villa don't need to sell and have got a good, strong position not to sell. Does a buying club think that Jack Grealish can be the difference between them taking the next step to wherever that may be? And the level we're talking, it's either getting into the Champions League if you're not there, if you're an Arsenal or a Tottenham, yep. or it's winning the Champions League or the Premier League if you are there. So there's that. And in amongst all that, what does Jack really think? Does he think that this is such a sliding door, mo- doors moment that he can go and force the issue and say, listen, I've done my bit. I've been here since I was a kid. You've paid nothing for me. You know, you might have kind of lined my pockets and <laughs> had to spend out, you know, had to shell out on some child-sized shin pads along the way. But I've done my bit. I don't really owe you anything. I love the place, but please set me free so I can go and win. <laughs> Does he does he do that? I'm not sure whether he does. I'm not sure. His agent might. Yeah, I had this thought yesterday after we recorded, and it's the first time I've, I've thought about it. Because like we've said, Jack is going to attract uh, buyers anyway, just because of the, the ability that he's got. Villa don't have to sell. A club's going to have to come in and pay whatever Villa asks for, basically, to get rid of him, to, to get him. He's on a four-year deal or something. You know, he's not. He's not going to go for cheap, is he? If we'd been relegated, we'd have had to have cut our asking price. If it was a couple of years ago, we'd be looking at twenty-five million or whatever it was. Yeah. Tottenham were trying to get him for. We're looking now to say, right, we want eighty, ninety, a hundred million. And there were people watching that don't support Villa. Go, well, he's not worth that. It doesn't matter what what you think he's worth as a footballer and his ability. What he offers to Aston Villa is he is Premier League yeah. survival effectively. So that's a hundred million. So. If Jack wants to go, he's going to have to hand in a transfer request, which is a, a bizarre thought that I'd not really thought about before. Because I'll just assume, well, we'll go down, someone will come and take him out of our hands and that'll be the end of it. It'll be sad, you know, whatever. Jack very much might want to stay. We don't know that for, for a start. You know, like you said, my club this, my club that. He might be thinking, yeah, back in the Premier League Villa, captain. Let's push for mid-table, let's push for an FA Cup, whatever it is. Or Jack might be thinking, oh, I want to get in that England squad. I want, I want to play in the Champions League. I want to go to Man United. We, we, we don't know what the, what the situation is. Villa don't want to sell him. We know that for a fact. So if Jack does want to leave and his agent's in his ear, you know, we can get this deal, we can get this. He's going to have to hand in a transfer request to Villa as the captain and that's going to be a, a painful sight. Yeah, the only thing that... The, the, the one thing that definitely needs to happen is that somebody needs to put in a bid that yeah. Villa think... He's kind of justified for, for how they value him. So if that doesn't happen, all bets are off. Yeah. We can forget about anything else. The transfer request one's interesting, isn't it? Because it, remember, it sent, takes me back to, I think it was Ben Teke after his first season. Yeah, same. Now his agent was a, a proper kind of agitator. I think he'd only got Ben Teke. I think yeah. Paul Fulton probably told us this. <laughs> yeah. He'd only got Ben Teke as his as his main client, so he wanted to make a big bumper payday off Ben Teke, which, fair enough, good luck to him. But... <laughs> So it became a bit messy, didn't it? And, you know, everybody kind of at first thought, oh, Benteke, we've given him his big chance in the Premier League. Then he's gone all big time and tried to kind of turn his back on us. And eventually he stayed that summer and he, he really got three years out of him and got, got good value out of him and got decent money for him yeah. uh, on the back of that. I think that if Villa's valuation is met, 
If Villa's valuation is met, even if the club don't want to sell him, but Jack Grealish indicates that he wants to go, I think there's a way that that deal can happen. They'll keep it clean. A lot less messily than it could be. I'm not sure whether it comes to handing a transfer request. I'm not actually sure what the physical act of handing a transfer request is (laughs) is anyway. It's almost like a kind of big kind of, let me go, free me (laughs) kind of thing. I think there's enough credit in the bank and enough grown-ups around that table to say... Okay, let's let's come up with a solution that benefits the selling club, Aston Villa, the buying club, whoever it might be, and it's a horrible word, but the commodity, the man, the player, Jack Grealish. The asset. I don't the asset, that's pretty a nicer word, isn't it? I don't think it needs to be this kind of tug of war kind yeah, of thing. There's a level of respect there, isn't there, to say, well, look, we, I hope we, so. we know, hope we so. know how good you are. We, we you know, we understand that we, you are a better player than yeah. 17th in the Premier League. Yeah. You know, that's clear to see to, to everybody. If Man United come in with 80 million and Villa think that's acceptable, then yeah, there's conversations to be had behind the scenes that they say, right, you, we know you want to go. We'll let you go. Villa could very well go be ruthless about it and go, no, we don't want to let you go. Yeah. And then that's when it gets messy. And, you know, obviously, you don't want it to get to that level anyway because if they make Jack Stein, he doesn't want to. You've then got his well, heart you, in you, kind of, you lose the... Honest, I'm, I'm not, not doubting the lad's professionalism. I'm sure even if he was kind of forced against his will, I can't, I can't imagine him actually saying that. Jack really has been forced against his will to play for his boyhood club. But I do think if you've got a player who, who is not happy and Jack Grealish is so much about kind of feeling comfortable and feeling like he's got a real cause and he's fighting yeah. for a cause. I think if you dilute that, you kind of, you've still got a footballer with magic in his boots, but you, you've not got the same footballer. You've yeah, not yeah. got the Jack Grealish that, that has, has carried Villa. It's, it's just a really difficult subject, isn't it? Because I think, like I said, at, at, I don't know, half an hour ago, if we'd have gone down, we'd, we were always on to let him go anyway. If we stayed up, there's a certain element of the fan base that realise he's, too good a footballer to be in a relegation battle. Is he too good to be playing for a club the size of Aston Villa? No, because we think Villa are a big club and we, we've, we've got ambition. People will say now, if he goes, where's Villa's ambition? We've stayed up, we're a Premier League club, yeah. we, we should be able to keep hold of him. What's the flip side to that? Because if you've got a player that's so well wanted, there's a better word yeah. for that, in such high demand, you can't there's no level of ambition that Villa can realistically reach they can't say to Jack well we're going to go for the Premier League title next year because it's it's unrealistic yeah I mean I've rattled on about him so much he would do a testimonial soon anyway but to me big topic mate it's a big topic yeah no I agree to me and also how does Jack look then as well because people say Oh yeah, we can ex- we can kind of excuse you going if we've been relegated. Like, where does Jack really love the club? We've stayed up. Why is he leaving? What what's Jack's ambitions? Oh no, I think I think I think Jack really can go with the best. Uh, listen, let's hope he, he doesn't come to this. I think he can go with the best wishes of the fan base. To me, it's a different situation to the situations we've had before. If you hark back to, I don't know, Dwight York going to Manchester United, it, it felt like a real kind of dagger to the heart. Or Would this a, not feel like a dagger or to the heart? Though? Well, let, let me finish. Okay. It, it, or a, a, gun to, a gun to the head, to use um, Jack, John Gregory's analogy. Because Villa were competing then. Villa yeah. were in that top bracket. Villa were around the corner. It wasn't a top four as such back then. But they were around that bracket. Yeah. Um, subsequently to what York's vindicated, because he goes and wins the treble in his first <laughs> season anyway. More recently, well, back back then, when you've got kind of Gareth Southgate and, and 
Hugo Ekiog and people like that saying Villa lack ambition and going to Middlesbrough. You know, if Jack Reedy yeah. went to, even if Jack Reedy went to Leicester City, and that probably does sound like Jaluzzi Grandia because they've won the <laughs> Premier League title recently, they've been competing for the Champions League places. But, oh, Wolves. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> but more recently than that, kind of, Villa were unable to stop Ashley Young going, James Milner going, Stuart Downing going, Gareth Barry going. And that was a time where Villa were still not quite amidst the elite, but were knocking on the door of the elite. But the, the counterpoint to that would be that the, the owners weren't, or the owner wasn't as invested then. We were kind of a club on the decline around 09 10. Well, I, was, I know we were yeah, in decline. I'm not sure, now, but, but when, Bar- when Barry went. I'm not sure yeah. that was the case. I think Villa were knocking on knocking on the door. What I'd say say now is that there's almost because with the exception of Barry, Villa didn't create those those players. Yeah. There's almost kind of this guy is so good, we're so proud of him. Is it better to have loved than to have lost? <laughs> do you know what I mean? Kind of I do. Are we but- holding him back selfishly? Well, yeah, there obviously is an element of that because we want Villa to succeed and we've got more chances of succeeding with him yeah. on the side. And I, I don't really buy into this kind of idea of he's Jack Grealish is better than Aston Villa and I want him to, to go on to do better things. Because I, I do. I want him to sit... Like I, if he goes, because obviously it's out of our control anyway, I'm not going to sit here and go, oh, if he goes, I hope he does poorly because yeah. he's gone. It doesn't yeah. matter. If he does go to Man United, I hope he does win the Premier League. I hope he wins the Champions League. Yeah. I want to see one of our, our kind of products yeah. of our academy yeah. and a Villa fan go on to do well. Why would you be against the success yeah. of somebody? But I don't kind of buy into this feeling of, oh, well, we had him, we had him for eight years, so yeah. let him go now. Like, no, I get, I, get, down, yeah? I, do, I, do, I get your feeling. Um, we shouldn't uh, be, what I'm saying is we shouldn't be kind of so... Result like at one point, yeah, we go down. You go, yeah, of course he's going to go. But now we've stayed yeah. up. I kind of feel like we we can't just go. Oh well, we, he's been good for three years. Come on, let him go. Let him go. Yeah, I'll like take your point. Oh, I suppose you're right. It's kind of you'd rather Jack Grealish be ten years as a Villa Premier League mid table player, and perhaps yeah. perhaps winning a League Cup. Yeah, down him. Go to Man United and win the title. Yeah, yeah, no, you, you're right. It's a bit kind of. Um, I'm, I'm stuck in the past again, but it's a bit kind of like the the Steve Ball thing at Wolves, kind of one of the the, the, <coughs> the poster boys for kind of loyalty. Yeah, never actually played in the top flight with Wolves. Wolves fans couldn't couldn't give a damn whether yeah, he played in the top flight with him. They'd rather have him scoring goals through the lower leagues and through the Championship yeah. or Division Two as was then. So you, you're right. I think it's probably if he goes, then yeah, absolutely. Wish him the best, and I hope he plays for England every 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 tournament and, and wins all yeah. the trophies he can. Because by that point, he's gone. There's nothing I can do. Yeah. But while he's still here, yeah, I very much prefer he's here for the rest of his career. And Villa, are a top bottom six Premier League club, and he's our captain for that whole time. Then he goes to Man United this year and, and wins the title. Yes, yeah. so I'll be happy for him as a as a guy. I don't know him. I'd, I'd rather he be around Aston Villa still. Yeah, if you're talking about the Venn diagram of Jack Grealish and what the sweet spot is, the sweet spot is a circle up here somewhere where <laughs> he wins the Champions League and the Premier League with Villa <laughs> and lifts the trophy. But you would rather that, that Villa Venn diagram still encapsulate the bit where he stays at Villa, doesn't win anything, but he's one of the best players yeah, that yeah. keeps Villa competitive of a level. Um, you're right, as a Villa fan and as a Villa podcast, we shouldn't really care much. What he does after Villa. What he does, what he does post Villa. Um, and likewise, the England cap, 
what does that bring? What does that bring? <laughs> what does that bring Aston Villa anyway? Other than misery, players being tapped up yeah. and heading up the M6 to a northwest powerhouse anyway. So yeah, it's just it's it's a weird scenario, isn't it? Because we're like I said, at this point, it's all guesswork anyway. And I think my my issue with it, Dan, is because and I'm not name dropping, but because I was covering Villa as the club reporter at the time, tipped off that he was the next the next best thing, and been really invested. In his career, got to know his family, kind of watched him at Notts County. I'm kind of, I'm a Villa fan, so I want myself and my lad to be having our season tickets and watching Jack Grealish do great things for Aston Villa. Yeah. But equally, I kind of, there's a little bit of me for the lad's sake that, God, he's probably one of the best players in the Premier League for a generation. Just the way he is, he's a different type of player. Yeah. I don't want to hold him back, but I do want to hold him back. (laughs) See, I think because I think it's almost like an, an immediate kind of um, reaction to losing Villa is why it'd be so hard. Because yes, you could go and sign just a name I've seen recently, a Cantwell from uh, Norwich, yeah. a kind of creative, unique kind of maverick player. But terrible he's, hair. Well, yeah, whatever. <laughs> but he's not a Jack Grealish. Is he? He's not a Villa fan. He's got no connection yeah. to the club. He's not one of ours, and we're not going to see a, a Jack Grealish. Yeah for a number of years yeah. at best um, there's no one coming through that we know of just yet that is going to be any player of that Louis Barry isn't he whatever we don't know do we he's just a boss line of reject but you, you can replace you know because if Jack goes and we get 100 million and we've got the Premier League money we might see a better Aston Villa because of Jack Grealish moving on yeah. if, if that if that Aston Villa without Jack Grealish gets into Europe We'll all be delighted with that fact. Yeah, I mean, that's that's an interesting one. And kind of older listeners will thank me for kind of venturing back into the past as, as I've done before. But we had this situation with when, when David Platt was sold um, and Villa were able to, to reinvest a lot of the money with, from David Platt's sale. And, and Ron Atkinson was able to build, listen, I'm getting ahead of myself now, but was able to build a side that, you know, with eight or nine new signings that were able to challenge for the title. Yeah. So... If Jack Grealish going, if that's the sacrifice we make, is that it gives Villa an extra hundred million quid that they didn't think they'd be able to invest in players that that helps them kick on. Yeah, I suppose that's probably that's the, the best kind of situation that you can have. Uh, if we'd have gone down, you'd be thinking, well, we're not going to be signing the ilk of players that are going to a beat of that ability anyway. It's to try and get back into a Premier League. Now we've stayed in the Premier League and we're, we're planning to push on next season if Jack Grealish is here or, or without him. Like I say, if that... I don't know what the stats are off the top of my head, but let's say Jack scored 10 and assisted 10, just to keep it simple. If we sign Campwell and he does the same, he's offered the same output that Villa that Grealish did anyway. And we in pure gained, stats he has, yeah, but yeah. I don't think he has in terms yeah. of... Yeah, it's not going to be a Jack Grealish. It's not going to be the post where he's not going to be But even that, even the taking the Villa thing away and the one of our own thing away from him, I'm not sure Todd Cantwell could have carried that team. Well, yeah, we don't know that. Not sure. I think you can say it with some degree of certainty that he's probably not as brave on the ball. He's oh, yeah, probably not. yeah, he's not as good as Jack Grealish. But what I'm saying is, if he, in terms of pure output, if he's part of a team that is, can make Villa more successful in 17th place and we start yeah. to build and we sign six or seven new signings that are 20, 25 million yeah. each... And that's the start of a new... Anyway, we, we, we started this argument by keeping him, so let's not... Yeah, I know. I'm just trying to look at both sides. If he stays, we'll still spend a good amount of money because we're still in the Premier League. And that that's the dream scenario, isn't yeah. it? Jack Grealish stays, Villa still build a good side. And Sign Todd Cantwell to lace his boots. <laughs> yeah, play on the other side. Um, 
so yeah, that's the Jack Grealish podcast. <laughs> Got a good half an hour. I there. think we've had a good stab at producing. You know, trying to look on well, the, on the positives and trying, trying to, to trying to both sides create a compelling, compelling case for him to stay. Yeah, obviously. We want him to stay forever. I don't care whether Villa are seventeenth every season. I want Jack Grealish to be here. I want to be watching that that talented footballer play. But if he is to go, you just have to accept it because it's it's out of our hands at this point, isn't it? Yes. To a degree, yeah. If we'd have gone down, it definitely is. We, the owners can say no, you're not going, but then that opens a can of worms that it's still got to be somebody who values him as highly as Villa do in terms of and I don't think anyone does and it goes back to my original point are Man United or ex-club going to pay 80 million for a squad player two or three years ago maybe but the world's a different place now if if you're spending 80 million they've got to start every game if fit and I don't think Jack I think he's got the ability to go to these sides and play every game but I don't think the way modern football works is that they, they sign Jack Grealish and play him for 38 games and 12 games in a Champions, Champions League. Let's hope not. Let's hope that that kind of that we, we do price him out of, out of the market. Yeah. Well, we can we can do that. He's our, and if Jack, Jack he's our doesn't asset. particularly like that, um, I'm sure he'll get over it with the pleasure and honour of, of playing for the, the club that he loves. So Or hands in a transfer request. <laughs> We go many circles. I know, yeah. Um, should we move on to question five? <laughs> Blimey, yeah. <laughs> these are all a lot more. The new season of, uh, kicked off yet? These are a lot more quick fire. I kind of got the Jack Goodish one in there in the middle because I knew it's going to be the, the biggest talking point of the episode, and I'm keen to hear what what the uh, the listeners think. Um, you right there. Little so I'm just having off. a little bit of a sniff. Yeah, yeah I'm just, just filling up, mate. The prospect <laughs> of Jack going. Um, let's talk about coaching stuff. Do we think or do we expect there to be any changes in the, the, the setup? Dean Smith will stay now, but kind of John Terry is the one you look at. Is he going to go and be a manager somewhere next season? I've got a bit of a left field theory. Go on, hit me. About this. Is it a conspiracy and theory? I love a conspiracy theory. I don't know. I don't know whether it's based in much, but you know, I'm, it won't be the first time I've had an opinion without backing it up with any evidence. But it's the basis of <clears> this podcast, to be honest. I think that something fresh needs to come in to the coaching setup and I think Villa should recruit a Premier League winner allow me to explain okay Craig Shakespeare is okay. going to be back on the market now that Nigel Pearson has been sacked aren't they a duo though well are they because Craig Craig Shakespeare was with Leicester under Ranieri but he was there with Pearson well, he, first, wasn't, he was initially there yeah. with Pearson he was he was with Ranieri when they won the, the Premier League title. Um, he's one of the highest kind of rated coaches uh, in the Premier League. Um, and he knows Dean Smith. They were together. Oh, he's really some research. They were together the at Warsaw um, wow. as players a long, long time ago. Um, and I just think that he could bring something fresh and something different. Yeah. Now, if that happens, I think there'll be a vacancy there. I think John Terry's going to think, I've kind of served my apprenticeship here. Um, Two years. I think, you know, he's been linked with the, the Bristol City job. Um, you know, any time a lower league, Premier League, or, you know, I mean, a bottom half Premier League yeah. or a kind of a decent championship job comes up, his name's in the frame. Uh, I think it will happen. That's that, as you know from this podcast, that's not in, any insider information. <laughs> that's just a hunch. Uh, and I think there could be a vacancy there. And I think Dean Smith, you know, I think Dean Smith would 
kind of spot the opportunity there with, yeah. with Craig Shakespeare. I think Craig Shakespeare would know, he knows the Premier League well. Listen, he had a, he had a couple of months as Leicester manager after Ranieri, which was a bit like probably David Moyes following Sir Alex Ferguson. Yeah. It, was, it was always going to be going to be a tough gig. Um, but yeah, I mean, you, you say he's a person's man. He is, you know, the kind of got a, a West Bromwich Albion background together. Um, but I think he, he's, he's worked with Allardyce, I think, for a short while at Everton and for an even shorter while with England for about a week and a half. Um, I just think something bright and different. And we've seen... But those listen, names suggest a different style than to what that would, I would be expecting. That you're saying he'll, he'll be bright, he'll bring a new style, and then you say he's worked with Pearson and Allardyce. I'm thinking, well, but he's also worked with Ranieri and won the yeah, won, and won the league title. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't kind of pigeonhole him as being this kind of dinosaur necessarily. Um, no, he's highly rated. I'm just trying to it's, listen. I'm just throwing, I'm throwing it out there, and we've seen, and perhaps, perhaps this is a reason why not for this to happen that I've just just outlined. But we've seen what good coaching or spotting issues and trying to rectify them can do because we've seen Villa's improvement yeah. um, post-lockdown. Um, but to me, there's just something... We've said Dean Smith has kind of has inherited Suso yeah. and he inherited John Terry. And we're saying, do we give Dean Smith more power over transfers? Possibly. But do we give him more power over what his coaching team looks like? Yeah. And even if somebody else is the one who's bringing the players in, give Dean Smith and his coaching team the best possible chance of, of getting the best out of these these players. Yeah, that's the um, thing. So I think I think it'd be interesting. Like I say, it's probably probably completely completely wide of the mark, and JT will still be there. It feels um, like one of those things that Terry might not go now in the off season, but he might be plucked away by a job opportunity yeah. that comes up in November or December. And you kind of think, well, maybe we feel like that's coming at some point. So let's make the decision now to yeah. say, right. We're going to get rid of you, basically. You've you've been here for two years. Yeah. Who does Dean Smith want to come in alongside yeah. him? You kind of pick your team now. And if that does work, you know, right, this is the recruitment operations. We've decided this, but you've got your coaching staff now. We're going to work together. But, you know, you you three or four have got to get the best out of the players yeah. that we work with, that we identify. That's got a better chance of working if Dean Smith says, well, I, I want him, him and him, rather than saying, well, you've got to have John Terry because that's what we want. Yeah, I mean, it's worth and saying, they, and we've made this a- point before, that John Terry has been the, the assistant manager or first-team coach or whatever, the carving up the roles along with him and Richard O'Kelly for a promotion season. Yeah, yeah, they get on often, don't they? They're, they're staying in the Premier League. Together. You know, they've both kind of spoke previously about, I think there was a mutual... Well, obviously, mutual appreciation. So I'm sure Dean, Dean Smith, like everybody, kind of wondered at how brilliant John Terry was as a player. But through John Terry's brother, kind of knew Dean Smith anyway. Yeah. So when I say forced together, I don't think it was against anybody's will. Yeah. But it just wasn't necessarily Dean Smith's choice. If he had a choice, would he look for somebody different? Um, yeah. So I think I think I think it's I think that that's interesting for me because I don't think there is going to be the, the turnover of, of players that there was. So if that's not the case, how does how do Villa get an extra twenty percent out of Trezor Gay? How do Villa get yeah. Douglas Louise performing like that across a season rather than across two months? Um, all those those kind of things. What what lessons have as, as Dean Smith learned as a coach? Does he need another sounding board? Um, <laughs> that's the dog barking. <laughs> I don't think you can hear Barking it. Barking up the wrong tree, clearly, with this. Um, but yeah, I think I think it's interesting. Again, we've got such a small window to work with, though. Yeah. Is it a case yeah. of just crack on? Oh, it's difficult, isn't it? But yeah, we're, we're going to try and move on a little bit here um, to playing staff now. 
because we've not even touched about additions for next season and transfers, where do we need to strengthen, first of all, do you think? How many positions are we looking at or how many players are we looking at? I think you're probably looking at half a dozen, you know. Depending on how many... For a second, I had to work out how many that was. That's six. (laughs) Depending on how many you were... (laughs) Depending on how many leave. Yeah. Centre forward. You need two. Well, you've you've got two at the moment. You've got Wesley and Samara. Do you need two more? I think think one of those will leave. I think they'll try and move Samara on if they can. I think they'll persist with Wesley because he just got injured. I don't think Samara showed enough for them. And if you can get six or seven million and he goes somewhere else, I think they'll they'll just kind of cut their losses and say, okay. Do you think Keenan Davis becomes... Samato, basically. What, the, the first first in reserve, basically? I suppose if you're if you're looking at it thinking, is there any chance that Dean Smith changes his way of playing? Do we suddenly go tilt up? Probably not. Wesley is probably your backup man because he's still not going to be fit for a certain period of time. You buy one big-name striker... And then you buy somebody else to battle it out with Wesley. I don't know whether that's another kind of twenty million pound man, or whether it's a low knee. And then Keenan Davis either becomes your fourth choice for one spot, or he goes out on loan, maybe at last. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, if you do get rid of Samata, you're kind of you taking a hit on a ten million pound player from the off after six months. Um, but definitely, anyway, definitely. We've, we've spoken before, haven't we, that Villa, in terms of that bottom half of the table, managed to score at a fairly decent rate. Yeah. Um, but those goals weren't necessarily contributed to to by centre-forwards. So it could be, possibly will be, if Villa sharpen up the defence, which we'll talk about in a moment. That could be the difference between a relegation battle and being safe. Yeah, it's like we said yesterday with Southampton. They only scored 10 more goals than us this year. If you can find a goal scorer that will contribute 15 goals in the Premier League, that's already it goes a long way to solving Villa's problems. Plus, you're still requiring goals from elsewhere, of course. Yeah. So, yeah, it depends that if they stick with Samata, Wesley comes back fit. We, I don't know what the time scale is on that, but it's going to be a couple of months into the season, I would have thought. So I think you go. You, you know what? What I don't think we'll do is start the season with Samata and you're signing a backup, thinking, "Well, Wesley will be back and he's yeah. main man." I think you go out there and spend twenty five, thirty million on yeah. a striker. No, I agree. I agree. It's, it's something that that was an oversight and, and, and yeah. needs to be addressed. I, mean, I know we're going. We're not really. We're not going to speculate names now, are we? Because you're going to do another podcast with a little bit more kind yes. of a research about people who could be a good fit for Villa. But basically, we're going to get James Rushing on to do some actual work. Yeah, get him. Get him. <laughs> he, he can scare a football manager. And uh, basically, yes, and do it, do it that way. Yeah, I don't think there's any worth kind of looking at names it's kind of I think I've seen a few people kind of looking at the three relegated sides saying well um, Callum Wilson from Bournemouth or Billion from Bournemouth Saar from Watford easy names kind of, kind of so who can you pluck from the guys yeah. that go, the sides that go down much like people would have been looking at Villa going oh McGinn's decent yeah. things um, so yeah there's a couple of names kind of doing the rounds Ben Rama is going to probably be the one isn't he this yeah. summer to be talked about um, but in terms of areas we need to uh, to strengthen everywhere Basically, yeah. Well, if you let, let's just go through the team. You're banking on Tom Heaton being back fit, hopefully, and we yep. don't know how, how close he is. But uh, there was talk that he might be able to make the start of a regular season if it kicked off in August. Yeah. So we're hoping that a season that kicks off in September gives him and Wesley that little bit of extra kind of time to try and get right. So if you've not got Tom Heaton, Pepe Reina looks like he, he he's done now. Would you get Pepe of, back if you could? 
on a short term January loan possibly on loan to Possib- start the season and then possibly when he comes loan. back at Christmas um, time who are we talking about I mean I spotted the other day Kalinic is still contracted to Villa for yeah. another three years what <laughs> um, a great deal so you've got Jed Steer who's still yep. still to come back is he worth a, a try in the Premier League I don't know um, is he still injured yeah I believe so um, so you're going to be starting the series then at this rate with Neyland in goal yeah which kind of sets gives you the flutters really doesn't it yeah if Eaton's not fit you probably need a goalkeeper but you probably do need a goalkeeper on loan because you... it doesn't seem like a priority does it no not I wouldn't sign a new goal, goalkeeper on a permanent deal yeah I'd get I'd, I'd try and get a really good goalie on loan knowing that Tom Heaton is probably the man that you'd turn to for the next three or four years anyway um, I think Villa definitely need a left back uh, do you think I think so yeah to I start. think so I think so, yeah. Okay. I think um, Matt Target is probably a little bit harsh. He, he disappointed me defensively, to be honest. We saw what he could offer going forward on the overlap when Grealish and, and, and Hurahan. Hurahan? Hurahan. <laughs> we'll get it one day. We're doing those combinations down the left, but I'm not quite convinced about him. I think a he's a, a standard 6 out of 10 player. Again, if you can improve him, for improve on that position for... 10 or 15 million that target becomes your backup that does make sense yeah. but again it doesn't really feel like a priority I know we're going through it in order but are you sent should you centre halves with another with a year of Premier League experience on the clock should they be a good enough unit in terms of Ming's concert angles and Courtney Hawes house <laughs> Hawes I think <laughs> I, I would again in terms of priority I wouldn't look at that position and go we need a centre back but I wouldn't be against signing one yeah. Again, is that a starter? Do we is Conter and Mings the duo now that we'll we'll start next season with, or is it a Conter and somebody, or a Mings and somebody? Yeah. Is it a three at the back? Do we just need backup? Again, doesn't really feel like a, a position we need. And strange, isn't it, that they've conceded so many goals and we don't think it's a position? Well, yeah. Do we think it's coaching? Do we think it's bad decision making rather than a, an absence of quality? I'm not sure. I think I think it's probably kind of post lockdown. Villa that's made me think oh, actually we're not that bad defensively or the signs there we, yeah. that we can be better um, yeah I don't know it's a difficult one isn't it because I think you look at Villa's defensive issues before Covid and would say that it's either individual errors just leading to a goal or it's, they're just all a bit rubbish it's just there as a unit you're not looking at one player going oh he's the reason we're, we're awful at the back yeah so I think you, in the same vein, you can't look at it and go, well, we need this position because that's where we've been let down. I think if we find a defender that's worth 10, 15 million that adds a little bit, then yeah, go for it if you've got it. But then the more times you fall into that trap of, oh, well, we could make a slight improvement here, we make a slight improvement there. If that means you're signing eight or nine players, is that worth it at that stage? Yeah, that's why we get back to the coaching. You know, you've you've got players who've proved they can be competitive in the Premier League and it's just been fine margins. So yeah. how do you improve those fine margins? Rather than ripping up and starting again with the whole thing, how do you get an extra ten or twenty percent out of the players that you've got for me? Um It's also ambition, isn't it? If Villa are looking at this season to be to become an established Premier League twelfth place side or whatever, something like that, are El Mohammed and Neil Taylor good enough to rely on as backup for a team that's mid-table in the Premier League? Probably not, to be honest. And it probably sounds a little bit harsh. Elmo as a backup. Yeah, but it, it's kind of... If you're on about getting extra 10 or 20% out of the players, is part of that having 
stronger competition yeah. on their places, Yeah, really. Um, it's an interesting one because you don't necessarily go and sign a player for your bench there. It's yeah. not it's not really the, the done thing unless it's a kid with a bright future that's one for you know one for tomorrow or one for next year. Well, you want the players that have been um, squad players this year that aren't really great to be squad players for next year, and you're signing. No, what I mean is first team players this year that weren't really brilliant to be your squad to players, be your squad for, players year, for next year. Squad players from this year to probably be moved on. Yeah. Um, no, I agree. Um, so right back Gilbert. I mean, I, I don't know. Perhaps I'm. Perhaps I'm blinded by the fact that Gilbert does seem to have this fire in the belly yeah. maybe he's been as kind of ropey as Matt Target at times and as good going forward at times I don't know maybe it's that you know it's a bit of perception that yeah, I saw a few people on Twitter the other day saying that they don't think he's a brilliant defender and he gets caught out of position but because he's pacey and loves a slide tackle he'll get back and kind of make it up for it might be that you know it might just be that little bit of kind of energy and that little bit of kind that, of passion which that's the, that's the thing we need some pace we need some pace across the, the entire side we're just so slow. That's yeah. one of the biggest problems. If you, I mean, it kind of um, degrades Gabby Bonlahor's career a little bit, but to say he was only fast. But the stage is where, if nothing else, you're going to worry people because yeah. you're going to make they're going to be on you know on the on their toes kind of yeah. thing. You're going to get them on the turn. We've just got no pace, and any kind of counter attack comes to either Jack Grealish will slow down the play because there's no options, and he'll kind of want to keep on the ball and move it, or you're punt it forward to Trezeguet or El Ghazi or whoever it is and you just think where's the, where's the energy yeah. we need a bit more here so pace across the entire the entire side is, is something that we drastically need pace is probably comes next to the, the wingers for me um, I think if you're not talking at 4-3-3 I think you'd be looking at an entire new front front three next season yeah and that's either Jack Grealish being played essentially again or Jack Grealish has left and we need a, a, a new left winger yeah I agree. I agree that you, like I said, you Trezeguet and Al Ghazi would probably be your backup. I know Trezeguet yeah. has been for a lot of the season anyway. They would probably come out of the first team and be on your bench in reserve, and then you'd have something better. Yeah, Instead of looking at Yotta to bring on and replace the wings, you're looking at Al Ghazi to be your replacement yeah. for a Ben Rama, for example. Be nice. Keep saying him, but again, it's just because I've not researched enough names, but. <laughs> You sign, you sign your kind of marquee winger and the, the players that we've had to rely on this year become your backup. Yeah, so a lone goalkeeper, an upgrade at left back, better coached centre-halves, jury's still out on whether you need an upgrade at right back. You need an upgrade on left wing, you need an upgrade on right wing, you need an upgrade at centre-forward. <laughs> so that brings us back to the, the middle of the park where hopefully Jack Grealish is still there because for the reasons we've already gone into so we can pull the strings Douglas Louise we want to see him the, the Douglas Louise that we've seen since lockdown yeah. do it over the course of a 38 game season John McGinn we hope although it's going to be not a great deal of rest and only a very mini pre-season can be back up to the John McGinn energy and influence levels yeah. so as a midfield three we've got Connor Connor Harahan who has really staked a claim I think with the impact that he's had towards the end of the season the issue that you've got is if we are crying out for pace that's probably not going to be your man in there so I still think God bless him I don't know what he can do to kind of earn the praise (laughs) consistently Conor Conor Harron still is one of those upgrade and I have him on the bench for me Um, you've also got Nakamba will be be around during quarter will leave Henry Lansbury 
Should leave for his own sake, I think. So you're then talking about if you've got Grealish playing left wing, you've got McGinn, Douglas Louise, Harahan starting, and then no backup then. Yeah. So are we going to go out and sign a big name midfielder and drop one of these guys out? Or are we going to have to go out and sign kind of bench standard midfielders? Depends how they want to spend that. Or loans, Doesn't it? Because, again, to me, it's about making sure that the that the midfield department is competitive enough. Yeah. And the way to do that is by signing better players who either take the places of the people who are in there or breathe down their necks and, and raise standards. Yeah. I think you probably do need a central midfielder to come in. Uh, and you probably need somebody to be ultra physical, ultra, ultra, you know, have the energy to get up and down, have a little bit of pace and bite about them. Do you get one of them Premier League ready for less than 40 million quid? Nope. <laughs> Got a name? <laughs> no. <laughs> Not that I can think of. Um, well, these players don't exist, do they? Can you name me a 20 goal guaranteed Premier League striker that Villa can go and pluck out of nowhere in six weeks? Not from not that would that's willing not to that, not that somebody's willing to sell for a price that would yeah. make sense for Villa to pay really. What about in terms of money spent? What's the kind of FFP rules? Is there anything that holds Villa back being in a, in a Premier League club now? I mean, it's, it's all kind of expenditure versus versus turnover, isn't it? So it's kind of they now know that they've got the biggest income stream yeah. that they could possibly have guaranteed for another year yeah um, so that gives against them, that so that they can spend against that um, so you know I don't know what the, what, what is it the new sponsorship deal Kazoo Kazoo, yeah, yeah. Kazoo and you know all the other commercial opportunities that come with, with, with being a top flight football club doesn't really matter gate receipts don't really matter don't exist at the moment compared, well they don't but <laughs> it doesn't really matter compared to that kind of that broadcast pile of cash that they're getting yeah. again so they can spend again. They can spend against it again. Yeah, if they wanted to. You I know, don't, I don't. I don't think you'd be looking at spending 140 million again this year because I don't think you'll need that many players. And I think the players you do get, you're going to be looking at around 20 million for five yeah. players or something. You're still going to see Villa well, spend a lot of money, yeah. and we need to again. I think Villa will spend 100 million quid. We need to again, but for different reasons to last year. This is this is the the interesting thing, and when we were saying earlier about is it worth Manchester United spending 100 million on Jack Grealish? What would the difference be? Where would he get them? Yeah, this is where the, this is the real kind of corridor of uncertainty that Villa are in, at. Yeah. because you're potentially talking about spending another 100 million quid. So two thirds of that that massive financial windfall again to go up two or three places yeah but I suppose the league positioning is irrelevant it's to the, the aim will still be again next year internally I think survive again up. yeah just keep getting that 100 million yeah no I, I agree obviously they want to finish as high of, as they can but yeah. ultimately the difference between finishing 15th and 17th in terms of income will be a couple of million extra because it yeah. goes up doesn't it for positions. that's where you get the problem that's where that's where you kind of and let's hope we've got this problem in a couple of years time because that's where you hit that Premier League glass ceiling because you're thinking you're getting fan bases angry fan bases that want you to show ambition and say you know what are we supposed to be we don't want to just be a Premier League also ran and then you're, you're getting kind of chief executives who are thinking well you want me to to sanction two hundred million pounds worth of spending for a potential two place leap in the Premier League that yeah. could that could bring us ten or fifteen million pound revenue. I think so. It's you're right. Villa's mission again is to stay in the Premier League, but finish as high as possible. Yeah, because 
the Villa's long-term aim or kind of medium-term aim will be to become an established Premier League side and not be relegated again for ever. at least, well, yeah, ever hopefully. But we don't, we don't want to be kind of 15th next year and then go down the year after that. We want yeah. to be in the Premier League for at least a run of five or six years yeah. or something now and try and build something. Let's face it, Dan. That squad has stayed up. Over the, the Premier League table, tell you over the course of 38 games, they were the fourth least worst side yeah. in that division if you're Christian Perslow and Wes Edens and Nassif Sawiris and Dean Smith you can't take that chance again yeah. that it's going to be that close oh yeah so exactly. if that squad played another 38 game season they might not fall the right side of that line yeah so you've got to make the necessary improvements and I do I do think you're talking talking 100 million quid yeah I agree I think you're looking at five or six players to come in and make that be a comfortable season next year to get to 50 points yeah and be kind of wherever that whatever position that is 50 points obviously won't see you go down it won't see you get into Europe take that as a kind of a benchmark do that again the following year or improve it if you can, obviously. And then you're going to be looking at, right, now we, we're in the Premier League four years, now what? Yeah, can well, that's we, when you start spending more. By then, the broadcast money, if the economy and the world picks back up, you might find that broadcast money in three years' time is worth 200 million quid or yeah. 250 million quid. And well, then <laughs> you're hopefully at a place where you're thinking, right, we're going to... We're going to Gamble. We're going to speculate to accumulate. We're going to gamble a hundred million quid again, but that's on two players. Yeah, and then the next year that might be on one player, or it might be that you've you can spend all two hundred million because you're confident get, that you're. We're getting very far ahead of ourselves. We are here, getting. This ahead is of kind of mid can, to long term plan of Aston Villa. You can dare to dream, can't you? you? Next year has to be. You've still got to be in the Premier League for the following year. I don't expect Villa to get into Europe next year. I don't expect Villa to have survived by the skin of their teeth and go and win the Premier League like Leicester did. Yeah. Stuff like that isn't going to happen. Next year is all about being comfortably above 17th, yeah. but not kind of... Obviously, if we get into Europe, it'd be amazing, but realistically, 50 points or so, be comfortable, look like a good side, play good football, and then the following year, you're then talking about, right, can we now make the difference to push on between 12th and sixth or twelfth and a couple. Yeah, let's let's rein ourselves in a little bit. Let's <laughs> yeah. let's be safe. I was going to say two months early, but two months early would only leave you safe in May. Let's be safe. Yeah, be safe well before. Let's be safe four months early. Yeah. Let's try and be safe around kind of March time or something next time. Um, we've answered all my questions about goalkeeper already. Experience required. I've put as one of these questions. Do we need that kind of player that's been around the Premier League before in midfield or? Not, not. I don't mean experience in terms of a thirty-seven-year-old Gareth Barry or that type. Of yeah, well, this is this is where you have to probably someone with a hundred caps in the, in the Premier League or whatever. Compromise your previous recruitment strategy in a way because you know we've said it, and he's probably better placed. You know, more sensible pundits than us have said it that Villa were, were lacking a bit of nous and a little yeah. bit of character and leadership. Now you can. I've got two views on this. Experience required, yes, but Villa have already acquired experience through what they've been through in the last year. Yeah, that's only one season. So, though. but I wouldn't underestimate it. I think I think there's there's a lot these these players who will benefit from from that experience. Um, but yeah, that's what that's why we're saying four or five six players, twenty thirty million a time because that's the going rate. Right. 
yeah. for proven Premier League players. Well, we looked on average, didn't we, this year, that it's, I don't know, nine or eight million pounds per player. And you, you, we've said all the way along, that's not enough for a good yeah. quality Premier League player. And it almost turned out to be true. Yeah. The, the, the going rate now for average players is 15 or 20 million. Yeah. Villa needs four or five first team players yeah. in an ideal world if they can find them for 100 million. Yeah. So they now they've got that strategy now to go out and say we we can we can afford to spend this. We need to get this amount of players in. Who who, who are these names? Yeah, it kind of comes back to my kind of um, the sweet spot for a signing again, and they have to they have to tick these three factors if I can remember them. They have to be kind of good, energetic enough, and mobile enough to still play hundred miles an hour yep. in the Premier League. But so they they also have to be kind of young enough and hungry enough to either see Villa as a stepping stone if they want to onto better things yeah. but don't see it as a final payday Yeah, see, so they've still got that fire in the belly and the third thing is they need to be make sure that they have the kind of the mental psychological capacity to cope with playing it's, you know you're not playing for Real Madrid in the Champions League but you're playing for Aston Villa with a demanding fan base with an expectation yeah. of, of what Villa should be so you need all those three things to happen now that's quite a combination yeah. to get those things so to be the last one to be to be have the personality to cope with the demands of playing for Aston Villa you probably either need to play for a big club previously or back yourself yeah <laughs> have that swagger and back yourself um and you know to to be to have that energy, you need to be of, the, of an age where you're under thirty, probably. Yeah. Don't you really? Uh, I can't think what the third one. What was the other one I said? <laughs> oh, I was owned out a few minutes ago. It's hard. It's <laughs> it's trying to hit the sweet spot yeah. and to do that five times, twenty million a pop. It'll still boil down to. I know the, the deadline's been extended. It will still boil down to kind of lastminute.com again, won't it? Is the transfer deadline day after the season starts? Yeah, start? I think they say in October, aren't they? Hmm. So, so how many, if you again hypothetical question just to end it on, if you're we're looking at that first team sheet coming through against whoever it is we play, fixture list as well, got to come out yeah. at some point. Um, how many kind of players from the current squad are in that first team? I think it's half and half, isn't it? You probably pick um, Jack McGinn. Nice, Jack's still here. Yeah, Jack. <laughs> at least till the end of October. Jack <laughs> McGinn, <laughs> Mings, Louise. Based on end of season form yeah. you hope Tom Heaton's back that's five you know you've probably got another centre half you've probably got Konza yeah. you're the centre half so then perhaps surgery in the fullback areas surgery in the wide areas and a centre forward that's two two fullbacks two five, wingers yeah, five and a, a centre forward so yeah do you think though that because again similar to last year that not that we'll be buying 12 players but because we're making so many changes to the first team squad that we're still going to see periods of struggle of people settling in and all that kind of thing. Especially given how short the turnaround is, you're asking five new personalities and human beings to yeah, come I in. Yeah, I think so. Listen, you're going to have time to gel, but I don't know whether this the last season the teething troubles were as much down to the fact that it was a bigger group of players gelling or whether it was people who weren't used to the level they were playing at. Yeah. Having to adjust... Probably a little bit of both. Uh, but if your new signings are Premier League ready, sound like Boris Johnson, oven, oven ready, uh, <laughs> oven ready signings. And 
told you not to get political on this show. And the, the, the six, five or six player, existing players are used to that level. And are as good as playing. we are hoping they are still. You'd hope that, that it would be a better settling in period than last season. I think, yeah, the biggest one just to end is, is the striker. Whoever that first team striker is. If it's Wesley back fit out of nowhere and he's the main man, he needs to get his shooting boots on and be good from the off. Or you need to have signed a 25, 30, 40, 50 million pound striker who comes in I and scores. I thought you 25, 30, 40, 50 gold a season striker. Oh, that'd, be lo- that'd be lovely. I don't know much how, how much <laughs> he costs. the Pongo wearing still <laughs> kicking around there, don't you? But yeah, that's, that's the problem position, isn't it? The rest of them might gel perfectly, but if the ball whipped in from Jack falls flat on... Yeah, we can, we can worry about that further down the line, mate. <laughs> okay, fair it's enough. It's not right off our new more today, but a striker just yet. <laughs> it's classic villain, mate. It's what we do. Um, I think that kind of brings it to an end, doesn't it? We had a good chat there, an actual football discussion. Yeah, I hope it doesn't drive people away. <laughs> There's enough nonsense in there still, I'm sure. Um, yeah, me and James are going to do another podcast probably next week now where he's going to basically find some actual names to talk about. I've got a really itchy nose. I think we're going to try and say here's the five players Villa should sign or something like that so if you've got any suggestions for names in the comments that'll do some of the yeah. work for us yeah. if you've got nice. any suggestions for the five players Villa should sign can you write to Bodymore Heath Curtis <laughs> Mr D Smith Mr C Persler send those to sportingdirector at ofc.co.uk uh, and you might get a job out of it yeah you could do actually um, so yeah that's uh, been a long hour long podcast or so of us waffling about next season a lot of hypotheticals but try and deep dive into yeah. it as much as we can um, thank you for coming again. Day, day two of podcasting. More than world. welcome, mate. Like I say, it's nice to um, nice to have some human company. <laughs> Sound very lonely. Um, <laughs> thank you very much, everyone, for tuning in. We'll be back, like I said, probably next week now. Uh, get your comments in of uh, do you think Jack will stay or go? Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. Uh, up the villa. Up the <laughs> villa. Bye. Thank you for listening to Claret and Blue, an Aston Villa podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, then please let us know. We love hearing your feedback. We'll be back soon with another episode. Until then, up the villa.